Welcome back to the Nebraska Abilities Podcast. My name is Zach. I'm here with my co-hosts, Andy and Nate. And today we get to talk about not a whole heck of a lot because Nebraska was on a bye week this last week. That means we won. And so we got a Only W win column because we won the bye week. <laughs> um, no, but compared to uh, the last bye week that we had after Oklahoma, we have not nearly as much to talk about this time as uh, we did not have a coach get fired after the bye week this time. So uh, pretty quiet bye week for Nebraska, but a couple big uh, key points did come out of the bye week. Um, we found out officially now that Nick Henrich is out for the season with a knee injury, which was kind of already being speculated with some of Trev's comments last week and, uh, you know, just kind of the whole thing surrounding it, um, as well as um, getting Malachi, is it Coleman? Malachi Coleman to commit to Nebraska, at least verbally. Um, so we'll discuss more about that in a little bit, but I guess um, not a whole heck of a lot to just talk about, but we'll jump right into the press conference and just some of the things that Mickey talked about yesterday. Uh, and I'll pass it over to Andy. Yeah, so like you had mentioned, uh, Henrich being out on the defense for the year is kind of a big blow to that defense. Um, we saw that, you know, for the Purdue game, those backup linebackers, you know, I mean, the whole defense as a an entity got thrashed by Purdue. But, you know, those backup linebackers kind of need to step up this week. And I'm sure Mickey and the uh, Bill Bush kind of told them that, like, you know, Mickey's had that mentality of next man up, whether it's, you know, stepping up because a player's injured or be, uh, because it's performance based that you need to step up and win the game um, on defense. But, you know, filling that hole is going to be pretty tough, especially when you have the nation's leading rusher coming into town this Saturday. Uh, so trying to stop him up, up the middle or on the edge is going to be important to have a, a stout linebacker, you know, Hope they didn't. He didn't mention anything about Reimer being hurt or still day to day. So hopefully the bye week was a much needed rest for him to get healthy and uh, get back out there because the defense kind of hurts without Reimer out there right now. Um, but then you also have Isaac Gifford uh, to kind of fill that nickel role. So kind of get one of those two backups to fill pretty big shoes that Henrich uh, was out there for. You know whether you thought he played well or didn't play well at times. Um, he was still kind of a more veteran presence out there on the defense in terms of linebackers. So tough loss for the defense, but overall Mickey kind of just going straight ahead. Like, yeah, you know, it sucks that we lose them, but you know, you got to keep thinking about this team and keep thinking forward and uh, we'll get the next guy up and ready uh, to hopefully stop chase Brown. But we'll talk about that later. So what Zach was kind of preluding to before with the Malachi Coleman uh, commit was, uh, a couple of things that came out of that, uh, those comments there, I'll start with the latter because it's easier to explain. Um, he had mentioned in his press conference that, you know, he said that Malachi didn't even plan to commit to Nebraska six to seven months ago, which is a pretty damning thing to say about, uh, the previous coaching staff that was here. And that's, uh, just another tack on the things that Scott did wrong while he was here is if you had especially an in-state recruit an in-city recruit uh, from Lincoln East telling us that, you know, he didn't even plan to come to Nebraska because of the previous coaching staff. That's just, it's a pretty harsh reality to face um, that if you can't even get an in-state recruit to stay at your school, uh, it's kind of just tells the whole story of, you know, what would, what did Scott really do while recruiting here? You know, how many, 
potential big recruits did we miss out in the past four and a half years because Scott, you know, Scott had this sort of presence about trying to recruit to Nebraska and that kids didn't want to come here because of the current coaching staff. So pretty harsh reality to face that. But, you know, in the end, we got one of the better in-state recruits to come to Nebraska and the big win for uh, Mickey and the team. So the f- the first part of that that now is kind of the more quote unquote problematic portion is the stupid NCAA rule about recruiting and what you can and can't say about recruits. So during the press conference, there was a presumably a newer reporter that didn't really know this rule. And he had asked Mickey during the press conference, you know, what did you think about the Malachi Coleman uh, commit? You know, did you talk to him over the weekend and so on and so forth? And a lot of like the veteran reporters in that room all kind of looked at each other because they know that they're not supposed to specifically name drop a recruit during a press conference um, to any sort of coach that is on the current staff. Um, and he had said it, uh, Mickey had kind of repeated Malachi's name at his answer. Um, and the reason that it's a really stupid rule is because you can't name drop or talk about a recruit in any sort of coaching position until that recruit has officially signed with your school. And the kind of the stupid part about it is, is Malachi can tweet out like on Twitter saying, oh, I've committed to Nebraska. And, you know, Mickey Joseph can go on his own personal Twitter account and retweet that uh, tweet or the Nebraska football account can retweet that saying, Hey, you know, we're happy that you like committed to this, like committed to our school type thing. But Mickey can't go on a press conference and say like, yeah, I went, and talk to, you know, Joe Smith in Texas this weekend. And he says he's going to commit to us um, type thing. Mickey could say like, oh, I was in Austin, Texas this weekend, you know, doing some recruiting. And the more veteran recruit reporters can kind of put the pieces together of who Mickey might have been seeing in, you know, Austin, Texas or wherever he was recruiting. But he can't specifically say, oh, I talked to the so-and-so about, you know, trying to come commit to our school. Or he can't say, yeah, I talked to Malachi and, he committed to Nebraska, essentially. So it's a stupid rule, and it's a really stupid way you can get around of saying and, like, making that presence known that, oh, yeah, we got this recruit to our school. But it's it's just so weird that you can't name drop a recruit until they have officially signed with your school. And who knows if he's going to get any sort of NCA fine out of it. I'm sure if he does, it'll be a slap on the wrist fine. Or... You know, the, those five days that Scott Frost was supposed to be suspended, and the NCAA will come back and be like, hey, we'll give this to you now, Mickey. You get to take those five days off of coaching practice now because Scott didn't get to do it <laughs> type I thing. Think, I think I read somewhere, too, and I don't know if this is fully true. I think I just read that the reporter that asked him that question was a student reporter. And it's, so it's like, yeah. It's like, which, you know, which is why I think he probably didn't know, which is why a lot – like, if you look at the press conference video, there's – there's a lot of the older guys in the room just kind of all looked at each other like uh, he wasn't supposed to say that type of look to everybody else because they know the rules of like you can't name drop a recruit until they have signed with your school type thing. So it's a stupid rule. And that's kind of my rant about it. But I mean, I think they should change the rule going forward because like in the era of social media now, like that's how recruit like announced that they're committed to a school is it's all social media they'll have big signing days they'll have big like press conferences on you know espn now if you're like alabama or georgia or any one of those schools but 
you know, it's stupid that the head coach can't, after a recruit commits, he can't come, like come out and say like, oh yeah, you know, we got Malachi this weekend. Like that's huge for our program going forward type thing until they signed with the school. So all in all, I think that's kind of the quote unquote problematic thing that came out of the press conference. And who knows if Mickey will face any repercussions of it. I mean, it's such a stupid little fine if it does have to get fined for it, but that's all I got to say about the recruiting portion of that uh, press conference debacle. So I'll pass it over to Nate there. Yeah, so something something probably about the founding fathers of the NCAA didn't have Twitter when they were coming up with the rule or something, I'm sure is how it'll <laughs> Did we confirm come that? Down to it, <laughs> I mean that we, we might need to go back and check that because that seems that seems ridiculous. <laughs> but uh, it did seem like reports after that said that uh, Joseph talked with the school's compliance office right afterwards and was like, and even afterwards uh, he talked with a couple people in the athletic department and was like, did I do something wrong? And so he's at least was acknowledging it, wasn't trying to hide it or anything. And so he is just kind of owning up to it. And so I imagine a slap on the wrist is probably all he'll get out of it, hopefully. But yeah. Nonetheless, it's a little just frustrating thing in the, <laughs> our relatively quiet uh, bye week here. But, Stupid rule. Stupid rule. That's all. Yeah. yeah. Can't argue with that. But otherwise, um, the big thing that I got out of the press conference is that he talked about recruiting um, offensive linemen out of junior colleges while they were out on the recruiting trail, which I think is an interesting setup. Um, it could be certainly speculated that he's recruiting offensive line for next year for potentially his team he could take that route or you could just take the route of he's recruiting offensive line for next year just to better the program in general whether it's him or whether it's someone else it's either way it's a good building block uh to move forward with i think and i thought it was really interesting to specifically name drop that um yeah we're going hard after the junior college guys um he did mention it was a little easier to go after junior college guys as well um, compared to the transfer portal because he mentioned that you can just go and talk to the coach at a junior college and be like hey what's this guy like um, what is his background how's he been playing things like that whereas with the transfer portal you have to kind of talk to the high school coaches and it gets a little weird that way so uh, I thought that was interesting um, I think and yeah I I thought that was like good that he came out and said that because we said last week that kind of one of our like hypothetical discussion points was you know how do you fix the offensive line going forward because these guys still might be around for another year or two mm -hmm. and if this is what we have to deal with for another year or two it's like how do you go about fixing that so it's good that he's kind of coming out and saying like yeah you know we know the line's a problem and we're you know it's easier to get guys that are two years into the system of being an offensive lineman um, to come in and kind of help you with quick fixes until you can get recruits that you want in there developed and then get them out there but it was nice to see that you know he kind of didn't say that the offensive line was an issue but acknowledging that like yeah we know behind the scenes that we need to do more work because we know that it's an issue type thing i have absolutely zero proof but i'm telling you guys maybe joseph's <laughs> an avid listener <laughs> he knows what's but. up <laughs> But those are uh, kind of my big takeaways from uh, the bi-week press conference that Mickey Mickey held on uh, Tuesday. But 
I'll go ahead and pass it over to Zach on any of his kind of closing thoughts there. You bet. Uh, for me, there's you guys pretty much hit the nail on the head. Um, I mean, Malachi Coleman being the the pretty pretty much the the most exciting thing of the uh, of the bye week. Um, the uh, most unexciting thing being that Hendricks is out. But uh, I think one of the things that I really liked that Mickey did touch on that obviously further proves that he listens to our podcast is uh, the time of possession and the fact that he even said like, yeah, we, you know, we need to get better about time of possession, but on the flip side, they still scored 37 points. So it's like, what do you do? Do you tell him? (laughs) I think he, I think he specifically said in the, in the presser that he was like, what do I, he's like, I can't tell him to not score for a minute. He's Mm -hmm. like, he's like, it's, he just, you know, you don't stop that when it happens. So Mm -hmm. I get it. And at the same time, you know, time of possession did kill us, but we only lost by six. So it's not like I don't think time of possession was the entire factor of the game either. So and obviously going back and rewatching the Purdue game just kind of solidified the idea that they just knew how to control the ball and were able to run consistent plays and get first downs and do dink and dunk plays, which I think <clears throat> we're going to see going forward is going to be how teams beat nebraska i mean yes we'll probably get beat on big plays too but i think they're finding that now especially with uh potentially you know if rhymer's not back right away but even then you know we're going to be light in that area they're going to definitely start probably throwing a lot of slants Mm -hmm. down the middle and you know we'll see what what i find kind of like almost growth of mickey and kind of acknowledging what his team is is if we remember after the Oklahoma game, he said like, oh, yeah, I realized like we have to slow the ball down. We have to kill clock and kill time. And we kind of saw that with Indiana. But now the past two games, he's kind of adjusted that. He's like, oh, yeah, we can't do that with this, this offensive line. We know our offense is like a big play type thing. So like, yeah, like you said, Zach, like, you know, he can't tell the offense not to score. But he also realizes like unless we get the run game going, you know, we don't have the offense capable to run like a 40 minute game like Purdue did against us and run, you know, 80 plus plays because I get the idea that like, that would be an ideal situation. That'd be awful, like awesome to run that kind of offense. But now he's like, Oh, now that we've, you know, kind of a three games into this after Oklahoma, when he said that he's like, Oh, you know, our offense is now like big player bust right now, at least, um, you know, five more games left. So block can change in five games. Um, it's a pretty tough five games coming up, but I think it was nice to see that he's acknowledged that at least. For sure. And not only that, like, you know, the other stuff that he touched on, I'm not going to say his coach speak. It's not that, but it's, it. he's noticing that, you know, not only is there issues to fix with the team, but he also is saying like, you know, we've got a game plan around this. So like if they double team, if they double team, uh, Palmer, you know, we have to get the other guys up there and, you know, make the plays happen. So, I mean, he's, he's obviously cognizant enough to notice like, oh, we need to game plan around these potential different things and make it to where, you know, we can still have our offense run and do the things they need to do without completely just focusing on one guy, that being Trey Palmer. And not only that, with the with the time of possession thing specifically too, like I know Indiana's not necessarily the bar that we need to be like aiming for, but they're for, you know, how long that's how they've run their offense. You know, they do that up tempo very quick, very, you know, quick offense. 
So, I mean, it's not impossible that it can't work or it's not like impossible for it to work. It just, I don't know if we have the talent right now to do it. I think we do. I think we just need to put it all together and also get stops on defense. But um, regarding, you know, that's pretty much the press conference. There wasn't a whole lot really to glean from it outside of the the normal, you know, we got to coach better. But I figure with that, we can move on to uh, our, not it's not a new segment, but we're going to start calling it a new segment now. Uh, call it our community mailbag. Uh, we had quite a few different topics to discuss uh, just around college football and I guess really just football in general that were submitted to us via Facebook. So uh, going forward, for those that might be new listeners or don't follow us on social media, uh, definitely check us out on Facebook and Twitter to get your opinions to us because we like having stuff to talk about. A podcast really works well when you have stuff to talk about, it turns out. So um, we're just going to go kind of down the list here. And uh, I actually think this is a really good one to start with because we're getting into that part of the season where now we're seeing, you know, who the teams uh, really are. And so we'll start with uh, college football predictions. And I will pass it to Andy to start us off. So we'll narrow that down. So we'll talk about the playoff. Um Obviously, the I think the playoff rankings come out either next weekend or the week after. Um, I know their like committee show thing that they do every week is coming up pretty soon. Um, but I mean, currently right now, your I guess top five or I guess top four, just based off the AP uh, top twenty-five, there's Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee, Michigan. Um, if that were you know obviously what it was set right now, based off that, that would be your four in the playoff. Obviously, we know going forward that, you know, Ohio State, Michigan will beat at the end of the year, more than likely unbeaten still, unless you Nebraska walks into Ann Arbor and pulls up the ultimate trap game upset <laughs> by 90. Um, but more than likely, you know, the Ohio State, Michigan game will go down to that game going to be the winner of the East who will go to the conference championship. So one of those teams will have a loss. And whoever goes to the conference championship probably will win because whoever comes out of the West, who knows who that'll be? Who knows if they'll even be good? Um, but in terms of that, I mean, you know, you could have an unbeaten Big Ten team and a one-loss Big Ten team. Um, Tennessee, Alabama, no, probably will meet because I think they're in opposite divisions in the SEC, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I don't think they're in the same division, so I think they'll meet in the conference championship, assuming that they both win out the rest of the year. Um, so that could be a rematch of the game that Tennessee just won a couple weeks ago. Um, so, you know, if Tennessee loses that game and Alabama wins, I mean, you could have that whole thing or, you know, Georgia, actually, I, I keep leaving Georgia cause they're still undefeated as number one and everything as yep. well. And Georgia and Tennessee, Tennessee will meet in two weeks. Okay. So. Yeah. So, I mean, you get, you got to throw that in too. So, you know, a lot of these unbeaten teams right now may stay unbeaten. You know, we may lose two of them. We may. Oh, we probably will lose two of them. Um, so you still could have two unbeaten teams, but you know, at the same time, unless Clemson runs the table, I mean, you're going to add that factor in is, you know, if Clemson stays undefeated and wins the ACC, are you really going to keep an ACC team out of the playoff because you want to put in a one loss, big 10 team or a one loss SEC team. That's like Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, or, or Michigan or Ohio state. I would find it tough to believe that they would leave out Clemson if they run the table and went out. Um, they had a scare. It almost happened. Syracuse almost won. They were up 21 to 10. And then Clemson decided to be party poopers and not let Syracuse stay unbeaten and win. So whatever. We don't we don't like Dabo for that reason. But 
<laughs> I don't um, think that's the only one, but we'll we're not getting into that no. today. Uh, TCU still unbeaten, so it remains to be seen. I don't. They haven't played Oklahoma or Oklahoma State yet, I believe. Um, so that I mean, not that Oklahoma's good either, but you know, you they still have to play beat both. Actually, did they? Wow. Yeah, yep. and Kansas Shit. State last week. TCU so. oh, is on a tear TCU might year. win the Big Ten oh. then, or the Big Twelve. Um, yeah. So I take back everything I just said. Um, yeah, so I mean, if TCU wins out, I mean. Are you going to, that's going to be tough. Um, I mean, it might be the first time that all four conferences get represented in a playoff. That would be really cool and really neat. Um, Sorry, Pac-12. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only way that Pac-12 is getting in is if Oregon wins out and they hope that the committee is kind to let them in instead of another Big Ten or SEC team, essentially. <laughs> that I don't... I don't have much hope that the Pac-12 is getting in over another SEC or Big Ten team. And that's just because the playoff committee is going to be biased to the more bigger Power 5 conference, like the Big Ten or the SEC over the Pac-12, essentially. I mean, you see USC could also win and, you know, it, it, the whole thing is just like messy right now until these teams actually play each other and we start to see one-by-one one losses. Um but TCU really does interest me because, I mean, if they run the table and went out and went the Big Ten or Big 12 conference, you know, if they get the four seed, I mean, obviously they'll probably play Georgia more than likely. But um, it's one of those things of, you know, how the Big 12 is going to fare in the playoff against the SEC or Big Ten. And I'm just always I'm assuming that like Michigan and Ohio State will come down to their last game and one of them's gonna win the conference championship and stay undefeated. Um obviously crazier things have happened. It's college football. Um but I mean right now, I mean that's a pretty good I don't think I would change anything just because I think Michigan is better than Clemson, so I would put Michigan in over Clemson right now. Um just based off everything. I think I mean, yeah, Clemson's undefeated, but I mean they've had a they won in overtime to wake and they almost lost to Syracuse. I don't think Michigan's had a close scare all year. Um, unless I'm, Michigan I mean, the first just looks like the more complete team overall. Yeah. Like they, they had the meh first half against Penn state, but then they came out and kicked their butts. So, um, I mean, that's, that's the top four I would go with. It's just how it is right now, because I think that is your four best teams in college football right now. Obviously, as we get closer to conference championship weekend, we'll find out more. Uh, once teams start losing and who looks to be better. But, um, you know, I mean, if this is a year you want Bama to not be included, then you have to root for the pick 12 and the Pac-10 or Pac-12, essentially, <laughs> to keep winning and get Alabama out of there. But I'm afraid the football committee might still favor Bama if they went out and are a one-loss team trying to get in at the four seed um, type thing. Obviously, this whole discussion will be different in a couple of years when we have 12 teams to discuss instead of four. I can't wait. I know. It'll be so no, nice. For it. Then we'll be arguing about the 12th seed. <laughs> That's fine. I would much rather have an argument about that because that I feel like really opens up a type of discussion you can have. Whereas right. four just is like, oh, there they are, you know. Uh, um, but yeah, that's kind of just looking at the top 10, the kind of college football picture at the moment. That's just my views on it. I don't know if you guys want to touch on any of that or if you want to touch on any other teams in particular that have kind of striked you so far uh, this season. 
I don't have too much, I guess. I think the, you know, you have your top five or six that are pretty well solidified, still undefeated. Um, I'll I'll just get into my predictions, I guess, for who I think the top four will end up being. I think from what I've seen, Ohio State looks like the better team, so I think they'll probably win out against Michigan. Um, I also think they're probably going to come in a little fired up about last year's game. And I think that'll be just even more motivation for their revenge tour, I suppose. So I think Ohio State will be making it in unless they, unless Nebraska wins out the Big Ten West and makes it to the championship, then obviously Ohio State won't be undefeated after the Big Ten championship. But um, past that, I'm going to go with Ohio State making it in, I think. It's a tough one between Tennessee and Georgia because that'll be an interesting matchup in a couple of weeks uh, when they get together. Is that? I'm not sure who has the home game. Looks like it is at Georgia, so that'll add a little bit of flavor to that game. But I hope Tennessee wins and takes their goalposts <laughs> and brings them back all the way to Knoxville. <laughs> like, here you go. Here's your goalposts back. <laughs> Just for that, I'll pick Tennessee. That <laughs> oh, you hear that, Tennessee? If you take their goalposts, I'm. <laughs> you got to <laughs> You got my vote for the rest of the year. Me, yeah. <laughs> this so needs to Ohio happen. Ohio State, Tennessee. Right I think Clemson's going to win out, and then I would love to see TCU in there. I'm just not certain that they'll be able to win out because they'll still have to win the big 12 championship against probably in a rejuvenated Oklahoma or maybe a Oklahoma state. Um, it's tough to beat a team two times, tough to beat a team three times. So I think TCU, unfortunately we left out, even if they do run the table, I have a hard time seeing the committee keeping Alabama out. So I think my top four will be Ohio state, Tennessee, Clemson, Bama. Okay, that's kind of okay. my my prediction. I'll let you guys. Where's Nebraska? <laughs> <laughs> Not anywhere near the top four. Like I said, that's that's the only hope for uh, knocking Ohio State out of the contention is if Nebraska <laughs> can make the Big Ten championship. So we'll see. But. Yeah, that's this is tough because the college football playoff has shown in years past that they say they're not biased. And I, I, I don't know if bias is the correct word, but they've shown that generally speaking, they've got the teams that they think are the best. And which is why we have the complaints about why the college football playoff right now is boring or not boring, but just seems like there's no real, it's never really different. You know, it, it begs the question, why do we get rid of the bowl game system? If we were just going to keep choosing the top same top four anyway, but this year, I think finally gives us a lot of different uh, different looks. Um, I'm just kind of looking through the top four, five, six myself, and you know you can make an argument. Well, I mean, if we go all the way down to seven, I feel like TCU could make an argument, provided they you know keep going on their tear. But I don't know if they're going to have a good enough strength of schedule. Well, I don't know. They've had a pretty good schedule already. Um, just looking back on it. Uh, but I mean, to finish out the year though, they're also not necessarily going to be playing the toughest teams either. So I, I don't know. I if feel like Texas and Baylor might give them, I mean, Texas tech has shown that they can be good. I feel like those last three games outside of Iowa state might 
be tough for them. I mean, they're not ranked currently, but I mean, you still have to be Texas Tech, Texas and Baylor, who were all ranked at one point this season, too. So that's true. But I think that's I think that's what I mean is like, you know, if we're looking at overall strength of schedule and how Mm -hmm. even their rankings fluctuated, that Texas is not the same team it was three weeks ago. No, definitely not when they played Alabama. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So it's like, you know. Uh, obviously, like I said, teams are kind of coming into who they really are now in the middle of the season. Um, Ohio state actually, uh, I think is going to be the better team, uh, that I think they'll win out over Michigan. Uh, I agree with Tennessee. Uh, I don't know what's in the water down there this year, but it's obviously working for them. So some good old Rocky top magic. And, uh, I I'm here for it. Um, Clemson. Yeah. So who did you say, Nate? Ohio State, Tennessee, Clemson, and Bama? Yep. Huh. Okay. Well I mean it's <laughs> it it would be tough for the committee to leave out Clemson if they run the table. Yeah, that's true. But Even Clemson TCU. just hasn't Clemson hasn't looked nearly the same as they always have either, and which is no, why I'm which is why had, I'm so hesitant to put them on there. They've had more close games, more scares than mm. uh Tennessee has or uh who am I thinking of? Oh, Michigan. Yeah. Or Ohio well, State even. You know, let's see. It's I don't know. It's, it's tough because I, I think – I hope Tennessee beats Georgia because then that's the, the clear consensus for who's the better team. But I don't know. My gut's telling me it's probably not going to happen. So just to be different, I guess, just because I like to be uh, different. I'm going to go with uh, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson and uh, Bama. I think those are going to be the four. And we're going to see, like I said, probably another college football playoff. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm okay with Ohio State because they're Big Ten. But, I mean, everybody else in that list is like, yay, cool. It's the same thing we've had, you know, outside of maybe one outlier. Which is why I'm really hoping that Tennessee becomes the outlier, but I don't know. I got to be different, obviously. So, <laughs> uh, I guess is there anything else we wanted to touch on with college football playoffs for us, or we not college on? football? Because I want to get to a quick whip around around the NFL because we're still talking about football. So why don't we talk <laughs> about the NFL while we're at it? All right. Well, uh. I, mean, I missed making fun of the NFC beast when they were bad. I hate that they're all good now. <laughs> and now the NFC beast actually means something instead of me just making a joke about it. You know, it's funny too, because unless you're I'm, the commanders, I'm yeah, <laughs> I'm an, I, I'm for people that know me, I'm an Eagles fan and I'm ex- absolutely excited that they're six and zero and the only undefeated team in the NFL. But of course, as soon as that happens, then the rest of the N- NFC East has to, you know, actually make up the rest of the beast there. The commanders are what they are, but I admittedly don't think that's really a Ron Rivera or even a Carson Wentz issue. I think that's a Dan Snyder issue, but yeah, that's, that's a whole the, different topic that I don't know if that, I want to talk about. Yeah, that's that's a whole other 20-minute vent we can get into because yep. that's, that's a whole situation in and of itself. Which is even funnier because they beat the Packers this last weekend mm-hmm. and there were still chance to sell the team, which I mean, I get it. Like I totally there will be. understand. There will be until Schneider's not in charge. As there anymore. should be. Yep. 
But it's so it's so funny to me because like Dan Snyder has even made himself even more of a villain because he came out and said that he's got dirt on all the other like not all of them, but a bunch of <laughs> NFL owners. And it's just like, dude, what are you doing? He basically is is making himself untouchable. And it's really unfortunate because even though I'm not a commanders fan, like it's got to suck being a being a fan of a team that just has a terrible owner. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I, I still think, though, even though that game was hilarious just to watch the Packers lose, I still think my favorite absolutely. game this whole I still think the whole the game that absolutely took it for me was the Panthers Bucks game. <laughs> Tom Brady down, baby. <laughs> By the uh, Panthers. Jay Walker. That that whole situation. I mean, I know we for some of our listeners that don't like Tom Brady, that's this like fun for, I mean, it's, I guess if you hate Tom Brady, it's fun to watch this, but like, it is so baffling how he has been like awful this year. Like it, it really shows that like father time will always win because he does not look the same. And Aaron Rodgers is starting to teeter on that a little bit. I still think, Roger still has a little bit more care and passion and get up to him than Brady. But like Brady just does not look like he cares about football at all anymore. Yet he's still doing it in Rogers defense. He doesn't have anybody to pass to. Either, I know, so. which is like, I, th- I think the Buccaneers don't have an offensive line either. No, sure. Like three or four of the starters got and injured. It, right. And they got like that. Their starting center before the season even start was probably their biggest blow because he was mm-hmm. like the best veteran for their line. But like, I mean, Brady just does not look good at all. And I know, obviously, like we've all heard about his off-field issues with this marriage and everything, and that's you know neither here nor there to discuss about that. But you can't say it doesn't affect a guy. It, no, it definitely mm-hmm. it's like, showing it definitely that it is. affects him. <laughs> yeah, like not only that isn't like the Tom Brady special. And I mean, I don't have a problem with Tom Brady, you know, from a football standpoint. I mm-hmm. I respect. I don't like like watching teams play against him at least in the past because obviously. He like respect to the guy. He's a fan. He's he is made himself. You know, he's the goat of right. the NFL. Like no, no way you can question that. However, he is definitely easy to root against because he's so good. Mm-hmm. But like, isn't isn't the Tom Brady special? Like doing the quick slants, the quick. You know, I mean, he has some big plays here and there, but isn't it always? Hasn't it always been? Mm-hmm. You know, run the quick offensive. You know, basically what Nebraska has to do is just, you know, get, get the, the ball, ball out, out fast. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I guess it's just funny to me that, you know, it shows that even with that, he still, you know, he still doesn't look the same. He should have stayed retired. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. he should have just stayed retired. And I mean, they lost to a team that fired their head coach is playing with like their second or third string quarterback and just traded away their <laughs> franchise running back. Yep. And they made the Panthers look like one of the best teams on Sunday. It was, it was baffling, like how bad that game was. It was beautiful. <laughs> it was, it was great. I for, I mean, give the Panthers credit in the entire world. They had absolutely no business of being in this season the rest of the year, and yet they they're going out playing. I mean, I I feel bad for their players because like that's just there's nothing you could do in that situation. I mean, everything's in shambles, and yet. They came out and they kicked their butts on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> gotta be, gotta be a good like confidence booster though. Mm-hmm. 
You know, it's funny, too, because we were all talking about this on, I think it was either Saturday or Sunday. Uh, the Huskers had a bye week. I'm an Eagles fan. They had a bye week. This is going to come out to mixed reviews, but uh, the other bye week team is the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> and so me and Nate, the two teams that we cheer for, had a bye week. Yep. And so then that left Andy, who... Uh, a Broncos fan over there. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Poor, poor guy. Um, Football sucks. Everything oh, sucks. man. It's the NFL is, is a completely different beast and it, it's the gift that can give or can take away at any moment. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about a way to kill the joy on a Sunday. That's the absolute way to do it. It, it takes yeah. away a lot of joy. <laughs> I didn't expect the Broncos to win the division, but I also didn't expect them to be this bad at all. It's so it's Russ is cooked. Yeah, I think he is. (laughs) It's so crazy too because didn't we? Didn't you say? I mean, we didn't talk about this on the podcast, but I think uh, Andy, you mentioned that Denver is listed as like one of the top, if not the top, defenses. Uh, they're like top five in the, in the league, and then they're like bottom two in <laughs> the league on offense. Turns out that that's not a great mix. They have scored 100 total points in seven games. Compare that. You. Compare that. I mean, obviously the Chiefs score a lot, but I mean, the Chiefs have scored 223 points. I think, Denver, I think Denver is averaging under 15 points a game. Man. 15 that's that's barely two touchdowns (laughs) hackett needs to uh stop calling plays you i'm not gonna go on a rant because we could be here here a lot longer that's a whole other podcast we we could be here a lot longer than we need to be (laughs) once we get good at this podcast we'll start one next year right (laughs) but uh i back to like yeah the overall nfl i mean you know you talk about kind of your top contenders obviously the eagles uh, Vikings out of the NFC. I mean, the Giants, Danny Dimes coming out of nowhere and doing what he does. Uh, but I mean, outside of the like outside of those teams, I mean, there's I don't really have a whole lot for the NFC of like who is going to come out on top to go to the Super Bowl. Because that's just kind of it's so it's not like in the AFC where you have the Bills, the Chiefs, the Jets somehow. Um, the Ravens um, as like your probably top teams that are going to be one of those three for sure is going to be in the Super Bowl between the Chiefs, Bills and the Ravens. Um, unless the Bengals have some more magic or unless the Bengals are starting to get hot. So they're they're yeah. starting to creep up there. They started a little slow, but if they do what they did Sunday, uh, they're they'll probably be up there again. But um, I mean, yeah, if you look at the NFC, I just don't have a good feel on who objectively outside of like, if you take away, obviously your guys' team bias objectively, <laughs> I don't know who I expect to come out of that to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, obviously I'm biased, but like right. objectively <laughs> speaking, the Eagles have just looked good in every game. They right. Played. And I, um, if I had to bet money, I would kind of lean towards them right now just because their defense is a lot better than I expected them to be. I mean, I knew their I knew their offense would be better compared to last year, but I'm like, I think the thing that'll hinder them is the defense. And well, the other big question mark for the Eagles was Jalen Hurts, mm-hmm. and he has had a phenomenal season. Like, I think people expect him to get better. 
I don't think people expected him to get that much better. Right. Like, <laughs> that was nuts. That's kind of like what I saw with the Vikings. I thought, you know, the Vikings can be good if they have an offensive line. Mm-hmm. Like I, as much as I love to make fun of pizza ranch, man and Kirk, <laughs> I also acknowledge that the Vikings have a lot of weapons. They just oh, yeah. never get the ball to because Kirk has no time to do anything. <laughs> I think the obvious outlier to me in terms of top teams, since I'm, I'm just looking at the rankings here is the giants. And I, I'm not saying that they're, I, 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 dude, I, I don't even know. I understand. I understand my bias is saying, oh, the Giants suck, but they don't, first of all. I, do, but I don't, if you look I don't at their, even know how they've done what they've done. I, I truly do not. Brian Apples. He's a hell, hell of a coach. coach. <laughs> oh, hey, look at that. Um, I uh, like, And I don't want to be like that guy, the homer, obviously, because of the Eagles' uh, bias I have. But like, you go back and look at some of their games. Like I was, I was watching the end of the Jags-Giants game, and mm-hmm. the Jags almost came back. They were like on the four-yard line to almost score. Uh, a touchdown to you know potentially win the game it might have been that close but mm-hmm. regardless like you look at the last few games and the giants have basically scraped by which is actually incredible because their team is pretty like down in terms of like who they thought talent was right um and so i mean credit to them because they're also making a heck of a case and obviously like as much as i cannot stand dallas they could mm-hmm. make a heck of a run at the end of the year too here. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be the NFC ironically enough is going to be, a, uh, it's going to be a strong conference for a few teams. It's not going to be like the AFC where we could see quite a few different <laughs> movements in the rest mm-hmm. of the year. I still think the bills take the AFC. Oh personally. yeah. They're, I think they're the bills, their revenge to <laughs> the yeah, bills they're... handled the chiefs in that game. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Like even I as kinda... an Eagles fan, the bills are clear. Number one. Yeah. I'm kind of curious about San Francisco. Obviously, you know, Trey getting hurt at the beginning of the year probably wasn't their best thing. Good thing they kept Jimmy G, depending on how you look at that. But you know, now you get Christian McCaffrey. I mean, that offense already has Ayuk and obviously has Debo, has Kittle. Um, and now you Top add... And defense, right? Yeah, and I mean, their defense is good too. It's just, you know, their offensive play, it's just not been good. And, you know, how much would that change if Trey was in and still healthy versus you know having to settle for jimmy g the rest of the year um so i'm kind of curious to see i mean that their division too with seattle i mean yeah seattle uh la and the cardinals i mean seattle's ahead at four and three and everybody else is either three and three or three and four so i don't know who will come out of the nfc west i mean that's just they might be what the nfc east was last year it's just they're all gonna stay at those same like within a game of each other the rest of the year type thing but they're they're an i like a team i'm watching for in the nfc just to see how they do the rest of the year because i think i mean if they can get their offense going they're pretty scary in terms of like their defense and they can i mean they obviously showed it last year you know beating green bay at home um in the playoffs so i mean they just that they have that mentality and kyle shanahan has that coaching experience of like yeah we're not afraid to be an underdog in any sort of game um so they're they're just a team and outside of obviously your guys' team of who I'm curious of how they do the rest of the year. Um, you know, the Rams, you know, I mean, reigning Super Bowl champs, uh, not having the great start to the year, but they could also pick up steam midseason and kind of what the Bengals are doing right now is, you know, maybe just take some time to figure things out. Maybe they get rolling again. Um, so that's a, kind of a, a couple of the teams out of the NFC that I'm curious about watching as well. 
Yeah. Uh, I, th- I mean, you know, we could go on and on about the NFL, <laughs> but I figure, you know, we've got a, we got kind of a good base covered there, I think. Um, so going back to, you know, Husker related stuff or college football related stuff. Uh, one of the questions we got has Trey Palmer overcome Anthony Grant for team MVP. And I'll just put the definitive answer here. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not necessarily Grant's. That's yeah. not Grant's fault. Um, in order for him to be, in order for him to have become the MVP, that requires an O line. And uh, even though we had a bye week, I figure since we're on this topic, uh, on this week's episode of Fire Them Into the Sun, we're gonna stick and with still the, the offensive line. line. Yep, offensive line, hands down. I, I think I think the we offensive didn't even line see him has practice. to practice. <laughs> you know, it, sorry, sorry guys, it's. It's just that that's how it has to be. Someone Until they to prove that they the don't deserve to be fired into the sun, <laughs> we're going to keep firing them into the sun. So, um, but yeah, I, I think without a doubt, Trey Palmer, uh, Trey Palmer is by, I think he's not only the MVP of Nebraska, he's like one of the, he's the top uh, receiver in the Big Ten, isn't he? Or yep. he was. And I don't nation. know if he still is. Yeah. And in the, so, you know, uh, Least obviously. Wise. Yeah, so I I think you it would be I don't want to say foolish, but it would be crazy to not consider him the MVP, especially with the game he had against Purdue. He is the reason that we stayed. I mean, he's one of the short list of reasons we stayed in that game uh, by mm-hmm. far. Um, you know, going but that was that was an easy topic. I like that. <laughs> um, I think if we want to touch on uh, next year's schedule before we dive into kind of uh, Illinois, real I was going to do a, the quick shout out to uh, Cody that I uh, <laughs> yeah. went to college with on some thoughts on Malachi Coleman's comments about Mickey Joseph uh, being the deciding factor. I think that is definitely a very good um, start for Mickey, at least. Getting the head coaching vacancy, I mean, it definitely doesn't hurt Mickey at all uh, going forward. Mm-hmm. You know, it <laughs> it was definitely surprising to hear Malachi just come out and say, yeah, no, six months ago, I wasn't going to be here. Mm-hmm. And then Mickey also just kind of name dropping that comment in his press conference being like, yeah, six months ago, he wasn't coming here. You guys put the pieces together. I mean, that's a pretty, <laughs> I think this actually that's a pretty good mic drop there for you. I think that actually opens up a good discussion point that I, I kind of want to bring up and mm-hmm. this is kind of three parts. So Malachi Coleman has basically said that because he didn't say this out loud, but you know, putting the pieces together because Mickey is the head coach or he's at least going to be retained in some way. That's why he committed here. Okay. And then on top of that, we also saw here this last week that uh, Priscilla, Mickey Joseph's wife, odd, by the way, that she was the one doing this, but she gave an interview to some somebody. I didn't catch the YouTube video or anything, but she was giving an interview talking about like his tenure so far and everything and, you know, what it's like being <laughs> uh, being a head coach's wife, you know, in this scenario. Um, those two things on top of just some of the other stuff that's happened here in the past, like with the clause, I think that has been confirmed that Mickey gets retained. Well, confirmed that he gets retained for the next coaching staff. Just like outside of make, it's not obvious, but it seems like Mickey Joseph right now is the front runner. And on top of that, I'm curious to see like 
now that we were into the season a bit more, you know, we talked long after Scott, or we talked for a long time after Scott Frost got fired, like who, who was like your top head coach candidates. And I remember saying Bill O'Brien, okay, fire him into the sun. No, thank you. Don't want him anymore. But people like, hold it. I think the ones that we for sure landed on being good options that we liked were like Dave Aranda, Lance Leopold, um, Mickey Joseph's on that list. And I think really for me, those were the three, um, you know, Nate doesn't I, agree with me on this, but Lane Kiffin has climbed up my list a little bit. Oh, right. I guess I forgot about Kiffin and I, I would argue that's probably, that'd be a good get too. Um, so I'm I know, curious. No, Nate doesn't want him, but you know, it's fine. <laughs> it's whatever. So I, I Nate guess they doesn't, doesn't want it. A recently lost coach that was undefeated <laughs> until LSU on our, on our team, but it's fine. <laughs> I <My> reasons <laughs> I so outside of maybe like Kiffin and some of you know some of the obvious ones that we could go that we could probably spend the money to get them but we would probably never get them being like you know Saban and people like that you know fickle and fickle I don't know still, I, fickle is still <laughs> on my top five I, for sure I, yeah for sure absolutely I just don't know if he's gonna leave but mm-hmm. hey uh so I mean with uh, uh, with those guys, I'm curious because a lot of people keep pointing that Mickey Joseph doesn't have any head coaching experience. And I, I mean, I agree. I get it. And we're kind of at the point now where I think we want that proven head coach experience to come in and, and know how to run the program, however they want to run it, but they know what they're going to do. They have a plan for it. But I don't really see anything that He's completely tipping me off against Mickey in that case, though. Again, like mm-hmm. Kiffin, I think Kiffin is really the outlier here. Uh, I think he'd be, a gr- I honestly do think he'd be a great get, even though he does have some drama surrounding him in certain cases. He's a good recruiter, obviously a pretty good coach. Uh, I mean, the ta- like outside of, you know, some of that other stuff, he'd be fine. But like if we take him out of the equation and look at our other ones that have been constantly spotted and constantly talked about like Lance Leopold from Kansas and uh, Dave Aranda, uh, specifically Aranda because he's got ties to Bush and uh, Joseph. I don't know. Like, I guess my, my question is, is Mickey, is Mickey making an argument as a front runner for the head coach for you guys? Cause I personally think he is, I, I don't know if he's necessarily top one, but he's definitely top three for sure. For me. Yeah, it's, I know we, I talked about this with Nate before we hopped on is it's one of those situations. Like I'm still waiting till like the end of the season to the end of November to actually like, obviously we'll hear a decision and whether I'm confident in my pick that I eternally have, but it's one of those to where it's kind of where you had this same situation with Scott where, you know, at the time, like, you know, you have your really hot candidates, you know, and if you don't get that certain coach, and he goes on somewhere else and does better things. Are you going to sit here and have FOMO and be like, oh, man, we missed on another great guy. It's kind of the same thing with Mickey is if you don't hire Mickey and you hire an outside candidate and Mickey goes on and gets hired somewhere else and starts doing well, and does really well. And you're like, oh, man, we missed like he could have been here doing this. And, you know, same same thought applies. Vice versa is if you uh, get an outside like if you keep Mickey, but an outside candidate that you wanted or Trev thought he should have hired does really well somewhere else then. And they, and you're like, Oh man, we could have got that guy to come here instead. You know, we kept Mickey and um, you know, Mickey could still do well and be here. Well, and you know, 
that thought couldn't even cross your mind. But if he's kind of mediocre or, um, you know, you kind of have this same downward spiral where we had, where we're just not good anymore. And somebody else that you wanted to hire does well, then you're in the same situation of having FOMO. And it's, it's just one of those situations where like, yeah, you just have to, you know, gamble and hope that it works out. But it's just, it's so hard for me to truly like want. It's, it's so hard because like, obviously I want Nebraska to win. I want us to do well, but at the same time, I'm glad I'm not Trev because the more you win, the harder it is will be for Trev to block out the noise of, yeah, you have to hire Mickey now, regardless of who else Trev has already slotted or who he's talked to of like, yeah, this is the guy I want if it's not Mickey type thing. Um, and obviously we saw with Scott's metrics of like, you know, <laughs> Scott only had to get to six wins to pretty much keep his job and he couldn't even do that. So that's that's kind of like how far this program has fallen. It's like six wins is the bare minimum, like is the minimum is the bar for this program to where like Ohio state is. I think they like talk with Ryan day last week. is like, yeah, you expect to not lose a single game at Ohio state. Like that is where their program bar is. And that's where Nebraska was. Mm -hmm. And now you sit here and like, man, this bar for this program is, I hope you make it to a bowl game type thing. And it's just, for me, I don't, I don't have, yeah, I'm not going to make my decision until the end of the season of who I think, should be the coach or who I want as the coach because I I just don't know. I truly I still am on the fence of I love Mickey, like you said, Zach. I mean, I hope like if he is the coach that like obviously things go well, but at the same time, and like I've said all before, Trev and this program are not in a position to make a gamble higher on somebody without head coaching experience. We have been in this place for 20 plus years and Trev knows like you have to make the correct hire. You do not have to get the splash sexy hire like Scott was because that's what like at the time, who knows if we didn't hire Scott, if he would have stayed there for another year and then went somewhere else and that we have kind of the same conversation of all oh, man, we missed out on him. But if you're Trev, you do not have to make a super sexy hire. I do not think that is the right move. Um, I just, I don't know if I am totally comfortable and confident in somebody that has not had a proven track record at this time, not saying that I couldn't warm up to the idea of Mickey is obviously I'd love, you know, I'll support if Mickey is the head coach, but I am still teetering right now on somebody with head coaching experience at a power five level because that this like Nebraska is a laughing stock of the college football world right now. And, you know, it's going to take years to crawl out of that, but I mean, you have to start somewhere and you have to start somewhere with somebody that has experience that has proven to get you out of these holes and get the program back to where it needs to be. Um, and I just, I mean, unless Mickey, obviously this whole t head coaching term has been an interview for him. So obviously he can still sway my mind if, you know, if we do well, we win some of these games and we somehow miraculously win three more games to get to a bowl. Obviously my mind will be swung and be like, okay, we're ready to give him a chance. But at the same time, you know, are we prepared to offer somebody a three to four year contract that is a very first head time head coach when we need to win now type thing. Um, 
I don't know very many coaches that'll accept a one or two year contract to maybe not be there after year two or something like that. Um, so that's something that Trev has to also look at and be like, is this a long-term commitment that we're willing to gamble and risk? And, you know, are we, do we, are we going to be in the situation again in three to four years where we're having to look for another head coach? Cause we could barely get six wins again type thing. Um, but that's kind of my thoughts on it. I mean, I have my own top candidates and everything, but I just right now, you know, making can sway me and win games and I'll be like, okay, I'll be on board. But I just, I think right now the program just needs somebody that can stabilize and win and help us get out of this hole because it's, it would be nice to finally start being the team that, you know, other teams look at me like, oh crap, we have to play Nebraska this week. Like, you know, they're, they're scared for us to come in their house and they're scared to come to our house type games. I mean, right now we are like, obviously the Rutgers, the Northwesterns of the big 10, like teams that look at us and be like, oh yeah, we don't have to, we don't have to ever worry about them type team. Um, it's just, it's one of those, I don't, I hate it. Obviously we hate it as Nebraska fans, but that's just, just, it's the modern age of college football right now. And I think obviously Trev knows that he is in a position that he has to make the correct hire. And that's why I'm glad I'm not making it and <laughs> that he has to do it, but I'll pass it to Nate uh, with that. I, I, you know, he make it, make it could sway me, but right now I think we have to lean towards somebody that can prove that they can win at a power five level. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be an interesting decision that Trev is going to have a really difficult time making. Um, it it also kind of, in my mind, or the back of my mind, just bears wondering if Mickey gets passed over for the head coach job, does he want to stay? Like, even if it is a Dave Aranda or something, does he want to stay on as just an assistant coach after he's gotten a taste of some head coaching experience and... I mean, I wouldn't blame him if he wanted to try try his hand at a head coaching position elsewhere. I mean, he's already proven that he can recruit well and can get a locker room behind him. So, I mean, and who knows, like, even if the coaching staff that comes in, if they'll even keep him type thing, Mm -hmm. because, I mean, they ultimately have the say of who they want on their staff as well. Yep. So it's. They could clean house or, you know, they could keep him, but obviously like no guarantees that, you know, Mickey might not be there more than a year type thing. Um, And I think that's, that's what happened when Callahan, I believe got hired. Um, It's they kept Turner Gill on um, from Solich's staff. Uh, That's kind of the, yeah, you're going to be here for a little bit because, you know, you have some sort of tie to this program. We just need you here to kind of help us with the ropes and then you'll be shipped out type thing. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily the correct idea to, to approach that. Um, you know, it's, I, I get the idea in theory of like, Oh, you want somebody that kind of knows to help with the Nebraska program to stay here and help the new coaching staff for a little bit until they get accommodated. And then they're out of their way. Um, obviously that didn't work out for Turner Gill, but, um, it's, it's one of those to where does the same thing happen with Mickey? Does he even want to do that? It's like you said, Nate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then I think, I don't know, on the other hand, you've also got clearly recruits are buying in. Malachi Coleman committed out of seemingly nowhere, essentially, out of not wanting to come here. And so that's obviously we're, we're getting the job done there. We 
he's got the support of the locker room clearly mm-hmm. kids are really buying into mickey and what uh this program means to him and so it's it's definitely going to, going to be a tough decision for Trevor to make and and he said I that during the, hope... the press conference is like mickey is selling the brand of nebraska whether mm-hmm. he is here or there like whether i'm here next year or not i'm selling the brand of nebraska to these players which is absolutely the way you should go about that. Obviously you want to sell yourself as a coach too, because you know, you're the ones that are coaching these kids and that they're going to be seeing daily, but you also want to sell the idea and the brand of Nebraska. Like, Hey, this is what we have to offer you, whether we're here or not, you know, you're still going to have these things in place because this is what Nebraska is. Mm-hmm. And just regardless of anything, it, it, whether he's selling himself or Nebraska, he's, it seems like he's doing the right things to get kids to want to come here and, just buy into the program at large so that's definitely uh i don't know it's, it's gonna be a tough decision but uh like you said andy i'm glad i don't have to make it i'm glad we are not the adults making <laughs> and, it <laughs> yeah, hopefully the rest of the interview for mickey goes uh goes stunningly so fine then. i guess that'll be I'll, my... <clears throat> I'll keep drinking the kool-aid i <laughs> i am personally on the mickey train i mean he's i don't like i said i don't know if he's my top one but if he does become the head coach, I think I'll be excited because I'm just, mm-hmm. I really like his attitude. I really like how he takes uh, accountability almost to a degree, almost to a fault because he, he's like, yeah, that's on me after the Purdue game and stuff. And it's like, not everything's on you. Like sometimes the players just didn't do their job. And I'm mm-hmm. not saying like, but that's the thing is he is going out of his way to make sure he doesn't blame the players. And I still say, I, I know I know that we haven't really won really any any big games that makes me say, oh, he should definitely be the de facto guy. But we were not supposed to even be close to Purdue. We mm-hmm. beat Indiana and Rutgers. And again, I understand that these aren't barn-burning teams. But after Oklahoma and that bye week, I, I still say that we've seen a different Nebraska team than previous years. And... Mickey being a head coach just for four to five weeks or whatever we're at now has obviously turned that around. So I think the big question mark for me is, you know, if he does become the head coach, which today's head coaches in football are a lot more CEO type where they're just delegating tasks and game Mm -hmm. management. And I like that. And I think, I think Mickey has shown he can be a game manager. He needs to work on it, but nobody's perfect either. Right. Look at Andy Reid in the NFL. He still doesn't understand game management. He's got a Super Bowl. <laughs> I think he's, he's fine. He's very bad at clock management. <laughs> I think he's okay. I mean, granted, it helps that he has probably one of the best. He's gotten a lot better, but there was he's that time the best. where like, you would go onto social media and be like, oh, Andy Reid doing his typical clock management mishaps again. <laughs> That was a fun time. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, you know, I mean, Mickey's also shown that he's willing to improve. And I don't necessarily want to keep beating the door down against Scott Frost. His time's over here. We don't need to keep talking about him. But compared to Scott, the one thing that I can say Mickey has done that he's shown me and the reason that I'm behind him on this is because he's shown that he's willing to make the changes. If something's mm-hmm. not working, he fi- he's the one that came up and said he fired Shenander. Like, that was mm-hmm. his decision. I think Trev even said that too. He's like, that was Mickey's decision. That was not mine. Uh, I mean, and I think all of the state of Nebraska agreed with it. Um, and I mean, with that too, Bill Bush is making an argument that, you know, if Mickey does stay head coach, that he could stay as well. I wouldn't be upset about that. All right. Mark Whipple, eh, I'm on the fence about him, but I think he could make an argument for staying. But I mean, anyway, we obviously don't know, and there's still a lot of season left, but 
I mean, outside of, you know, maybe Fickle and, uh, you know, uh, Kiffin. I think he actually, there you go. I think to me, it'd go Fickle, Kiffin, Mickey. And in not necessarily like, there's not like miles between that ranking either. They're very close to me. Um, I think a lot of my my perspective too is we are so focused as a program of, oh, you have to get somebody with Nebraska ties in here. I mean, do we do we necessarily have to? I mean, I know Kiffin technically does because he was born here, but he also has never been involved in the program. So it's like, do you really need somebody that's been involved with the program before versus like, do you really need just a new fresh face that's never been here before? I mean, Saban's never been at Alabama before he took the head coaching job. And obviously that worked out now comparing anybody to Saban is an outlier because that's never you know, that he's just such an outlier to everybody else. But, you know, do we do we want to settle for somebody that has like you're settling for a coach because he has Nebraska ties? I mean, that's not the way to approach it. So as you also look at it is do you need just somebody with a fresh set of eyes outside of this program that's never been here before to look at things and be like, okay, you know, I'm at Nebraska now. You know, I don't know anything about this, but this is how I do things. and This is how we're going to do it here type thing. Um, versus, oh, this is always how it, this is always how it's been done at Nebraska. That we're going to keep doing it the same way. I'm like, that's not always the case. Obviously, you know, that didn't work out with Scott, but um, you don't necessarily need to hire somebody with Nebraska ties. Now, Mike Riley's such an odd ball. I don't even want to talk about that. But he's also the last winning coach at Nebraska, so what it's also something guy, to talk though. about. Though I know he's such a nice guy. His he was a nice guy. So much fun. Yeah. <laughs> He always had his Pepsi with him at his press conferences. He was such a fun guy. If um, you want to talk about outliers, though, Andy, just on the other side for mm-hmm. on the defense of Mickey, and I know we talked about him earlier, but you want a really good outlier as much as I can't stand the guy, Dabo at Clemson. He I wasn't know. a head coach beforehand. I know. He was, exactly, he was pretty much exactly the same way as Mickey was, too. He I came know, being and a, that's that's a – I mean, that's that's the hope that Trev wants. Is like, are, can you find that diamond in a rough assistant coach that can be a Dabo Sweetie? But yeah. also, you look at his Dabo Sweetie as a one-in-a-kind diamond that you're going to find in a rough, like in a pile of coal, too, at the same time. So, I mean, obviously, every program would love to have that happen to him. But <laughs> you also look yeah. at it as like Dabo is a one-of-the-kind assistant elevated to head coach that wins you a national championship type thing. So... You know, if Mickey is that guy and we're right about it, obviously we'll love it. But at the same time, like I said before, you know, you might have FOMO if you hire somebody else and then Mickey does become that guy somewhere else. So it's just all hypotheticals we love to talk about. And, you know, nothing happens until it happens type thing. Well, it doesn't matter who we get here. It's going to be a gamble regardless because, Mm -hmm. you know, even if it is Dave Aranda, even if it is Fickle, even if it is Kiffin, you know, they're going to have to change what they're doing. You know, mm-hmm. their their mentality around recruiting is going to have to change because Nebraska hasn't been good for a while. And it's mm-hmm. not easy to recruit at Nebraska compared to Ole Miss or since I guess I, I don't know about Cincinnati, but obviously it's it, he's doing something right there. So but I mean, you know, I think uh, I, I think he's making a really good argument for himself. And I, I mean, I understand I'm really good about getting way ahead of myself and then you know, <laughs> reeling it back afterwards. But I don't know. I, I think there's just a lot of really good intangibles that Mickey has that go along with being a head coach that I think he would be successful here. Right. It might not be that on top of the transfer portal and like the Juco stuff and all that, mm-hmm. that he's, 
success could come quicker. And that goes for any coach that comes here. But I mean, the transfer portal talk is could be its own episode because of that. And I think <laughs> I think we all have varying degrees of how much we like or dislike the transfer portal, but that is what it is. So I think let's overreact to a... 2023 real quick. <laughs> yes. Well, we're all in agreement. Yeah. 12 and 0, right? All right. We can move on. Yep. That's, that's all right. Cool. All right. Moving up in <laughs> Illinois. Uh, no, actually, I think what we're all in agreement with is a Thursday night opener. Uh, Who just said uh, that was a good idea? Uh, that's the Big Ten saying here. You're obligated to fulfill your TV contract because we have so many networks now. So this is what you get. Fire Kevin Warren into the sun now. <laughs> oh wait, wait, wait! I can, I can change this. Uh, so it's not the O line anymore. <laughs> Although well, unfortunately, Kevin well, Warren doesn't necessarily work for Nebraska. He I was going to say head, Kevin so. Warren will be he'll be the first one on top of the list for 2023 when we get to next year. <laughs> I hate that <laughs> Thursday night. A uh, Thursday night opening game that yep. sucks, dude. Yeah, it's gonna especially when like. Yeah, that's an oddity in itself. But you also look at the fact that you either will have a brand new head coach or you'll have Mickey there without the interim tag. So you're going to have brand new somebody up there as a head coaching title that without an interim tag for the first game of the season that's on the road against a Big Ten conference of the likes of P.J. Fleck, more than likely, Um, which I can't wait till we get to Minnesota. I want to. God, I cannot wait to rag on PJ Fleck. <laughs> he, Not only that, though, I mean, ugh, he just he after, grinds my gears. I mean, the other thing is like Thursday. That's such a short week for practice, and get, I mean, I'm guessing they'll have stuff that comes the week before too. Whoever's coaching, it's just it's mind boggling to me. Mm-hmm. Thursday night, I don't know, just does not does not inspire uh, a great feeling in me at least. It's not week zero. Yeah, I am happy with that. Well, what I what I told Nate is the first stat that I saw was like, this is the third time in Nebraska football history they've ever started a season back to back road games ever. Um, The second positive spin zone you could look at it is after the first two road games, you only have three more away games the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. So plenty of home games outside of the first two road games after you get out, like whether you come out of that two and oh, one and one or oh and two. You don't have to go on the road like pretty much except for those three games. And one of them is the second to last game of the season. So that's a that's a good way to look at it is you have the only three more times you have to travel. The rest you get everybody else at home. So just another spin zone of looking at the the schedule. Obviously, thankfully, we don't get Ohio State. So I I mean, you get Michigan, but you don't get Ohio State again. So I was just going to say, like, this schedule is also in a way, I mean, obviously year to year is different, but this is pretty favorable for whoever comes in. It's not, it's not the Ohio state gauntlet. It's not the 2021 gauntlet right. that we had either. Mm. So, I mean, I like to think of it as manageable. Kevin Warren had, you know, heads, you get Minnesota on a Thursday tails, you get Ohio state and maybe we won the coin flip that time. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then after that we get it, we get to go heat up another old rivalry rivalry and go to Colorado. Which- that won't be as bad if Colorado's as bad as they are now. Oh, I'm yeah, sure. I'm sure it will be if you coach, go to the game. So. <laughs> well, yeah. But I mean, if obviously, obviously we're not any better, but I mean, if Colorado is arguably worse than us, for sure, at this current moment, um, 
But I mean, if they're still as bad as they are now, I mean, that game might be better next year for us. Despite having to go to Colorado, Mm -hmm. but. I don't know. It's next year looks like a pretty decent schedule. I will be excited to see. I'm not mad about it. Mm -hmm. I I am. I mean, I'm mad about the Thursday night. Well, I've I've said (laughs) that, but like in terms of who we play, I mean, I'm not mad about it at all. No, not at all. Well, and then I think it was, did did we talk about this on Twitter where uh, they had the graphic wrong for our, yeah. Oh no. Uh-huh. Yeah, the first initial graphic they tweeted out was like they had we played Minnesota on Saturday and then we also played Iowa on Saturday. I was like, did we get screwed out of the Black Friday game because of the NFL? And then they and tweeted the, out like 30 minutes later the correct schedule. And the Black Friday game, I was so upset if we had lost that. I mean, I knew mm-hmm. there for a while that was potentially going to ha- or that it did happen or I don't remember. Exactly and it still might happen. I mean, I don't, the sure. NFL started to <clears throat> like the idea of playing Black Friday games after Thanksgiving, too. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're Thanks, ABC, good if you're CBS, ABC, or yeah, NBC, so well, I guess it would only matter to us for CBS and NBC now that we have their deal. But I mean, if you take like CBS and NBC, and you're like, oh, here's an NFL game versus Nebraska, Iowa on Black Friday, they're like, yeah, NFL ten out of ten times, always. So yeah, that's something like we have to, you know, that might possibly happen in the future too. Is you know, we might get butted out of a black friday game because the nfl now wants to play on black friday as well yeah and my argument was i i used the black friday game to talk smack with my uh family members that have really have like uh spouses and stuff from iowa uh but i guess that wouldn't necessarily change if it was on a saturday either but (laughs) i still just thursday why do we have an opening (laughs) thursday game that's so i mean like fine i I get it but i don't remember was it who played this year's? Was it Indiana Penn State? I don't remember who this year's Big Ten Thursday night game opener was, but it was it was that or was Illinois and Indiana. I feel like it was Penn State and Indiana. But you know, this, I'll look it up. You guys you guys keep talking, I'll get back to you on it. <laughs> I just either way, oh, like was it Penn State Purdue? <clears throat> oh yeah, 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 yeah. It you was know, Penn State was Purdue. It. I remember watching. I was like, "Oh man, how good is Purdue look?" And then they, uh-huh. Penn State had that. Uh, or did Purdue win that game? I don't remember who. Penn State one of won. one of them had a game winning drive, yeah. but it was like a really bad game winning drive. And I was like, "Oh man, <laughs> the Big Ten is not off to a good start." <laughs> well, yeah, when you got five forty five year old Sean Clifford in there playing quarterback. Yes, yes, and then forty six year old like, Aiden O'Connell. Like, that, good that's Lord, guys, right. Like, graduate. Yeah. It was 35 to 31. I was like, oh man, Penn State looks awful this year if they had to do a game winning drive against Purdue. <laughs> man. And we saw that worked out. But uh, Purdue is obviously better. No, I think this, I think overall this <laughs> no. schedule is, this schedule is really good for whoever comes in to take over for coach. Not, it's not mm-hmm. easy. I'm not going to say it's easy because the Big Ten really is, in my opinion, never easy. But, you know, if uh, the teams stay, you know, the way they are now, then the road to success for Nebraska may not be as uh, long as we think. Could uh, could see some success pretty quick, provided the teams stay the way they are. So we will see. Uh, but with that, I mean, unless you guys got any final thoughts to discuss upon, 
Um, I figure we can just jump into the Illinois game. I know we got a little bit to talk about there with them coming up on Saturday. So, yeah. Um, Andy, I'll pass it on to you. What you got? Yeah. So like we mentioned before, uh, this coming Saturday, two 30 afternoon came on uh primetime ABC. So super fun stuff for hopefully not embarrassing ourselves on national TV type of game. But, um, you know, going into this one, I think Nebraska will arguably face their toughest defense in terms of stats. Um, I mean, literally Illinois is the number one overall defense in the country. Um, only allowing 221 yards a game, which is, like I said, first in the country. Um, overall, they are only allowing 143 yard passing yards a game, which is second in the country, and only allowing 77 rushing yards a game, which is second in the country. So uh, literally on paper, Illinois is the best defense Nebraska will face this year. So this is, this is kind of one of those... Uh, where I thought this game would happen kind of in Iowa to where like, obviously Iowa's defense was really good. Still is good this year, except for the Ohio state game. But um, I thought that game would kind of be like, Oh, our big play offense versus a big play defense. We're kind of going to get to get that here now where, you know, our offense is, you know, probably it's top 50 in the country, but obviously, you know, not as big as we want them to be, but you know, they're literally, literally playing, you know, number one, Big Ten West team, uh, Illinois, right now, top of the conference in terms of the West standings. Um, but they are really good on defense. Um, Mickey said it in his presser, you know, they're not, they don't do a whole lot of things, you know, out scheme you or anything. They just play physical and tough against you. Um, they're going to play a lot of man coverage. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, are they going to double up Trey um, in terms of coverage? And if they do so, Mickey had said, like, they're going to have to rely on uh, Washington, Alante Brown, Volkolek, you know, even Anthony Grant or one of the running backs out of the backfield to kind of step up and make a play when we need them to if Trey is going to be double covered all day. You know, I'm sure Whipple's thought about that, too, and they're probably still going to try to scheme to get around, you know, if Trey's being covered, they're going to try to scheme around that to hopefully still get Trey the ball. Because, I mean, obviously we have said Trey is still our best playmaker on offense. Um when we need him to get the ball, but I'm sure Whipple's thought about that as a way to scheme around getting out, getting out of double coverage. If that's what they're going to put on Trey. Um, and when they want to give Trey the ball. And like Mickey said, you know, if that's the case, you're going to need one of your other receivers and other playmakers to step up. Cause this might be a game where we might see that for the first time um, going up, literally the best de- going up on paper against the best defense in the country right now. Um, and that's just their defense. We haven't even talked about Illinois' offense, who has literally the number one rusher, like running back in the nation. He's got uh, 1,059 rushing yards right now, which is the top of the NC, like the FBS standings right now. So our defense, no surprise, is not really good at stopping the run. So that kind of terrifies me a little bit. Um, we saw what a walk-on running back did to us against Purdue, so I can't imagine what the nation's leading rusher is going to do to us. Um, I hope we're wrong. Not good things would not, be the answer to that not, question, Andy. Not good <laughs> things is right. Unless we somehow surprisingly have the best defensive game in our lives and uh, stop him. But um, Illinois is kind of the same boat as Purdue, not as pass heavy. Um, obviously they lay, uh, lean on chase Brown to manage a lot of their offense, but they also have a veteran uh, quarterback there who, 
uh, Mickey said, you know, it's not going to make very many mistakes, kind of like O'Connell does. Um, so that's kind of one of those things is, you know, Illinois got a lot of right pieces in the right places right now. And obviously it's showing that um, they can prove and be a good physical football team, which is just another staple of Brett Belima. Uh, like, obviously, he proved that at Wisconsin, um, you know, kind of proved it at Arkansas. But, you know, Brett has experience in the Big Ten being a physical, well-coached team. Um, and that's what we're going to get with Illinois Saturday. Um, offensive wise, Illinois is just kind of a top 60 team in terms of production. Um, obviously, you know, they run the ball a lot more and obviously they should be running back. You're going to do that. Um, passing wise, they're not really a top tier team in terms of passing. So I think that is one of my keys to the game is this game is if you make Illinois pass the ball, you probably have a better chance. Um, we're kind of the opposite with Purdue. It's like if we, you know, force Purdue to run the ball and not pass the ball because you're shutting down the pass, you have a better chance to win that game. Obviously, that didn't work out. Um, but I think this game is a perfect example of if you make Illinois pass the ball, you probably have a better chance of trying to win the game. Um, I think so. That's also that's a one of my keys. The another one of my keys to this game is I think this is a game where we're probably going to have to rely on our defense or special teams to make a couple big plays, um, whether that be a blocked punt or, you know, an interception fumble recovery for a touchdown or some sort of special teams, kickoff punt off like punt return magic that happened. I think we're going to rely on our special teams to make a couple big plays this game. Um, and that's solely going off of just Illinois being a very stout defense and a physical defense that, if we can't get anything going on the ground, if we can't get anything passing, I mean, it might be a slog of the day for our offense against uh, this defense. So that's kind of a couple of my keys to the game is, you know, make Illinois pass. And, you know, hopefully we have a couple big defensive plays or special teams play that kind of help give the offense momentum. If the offense is kind of stuck in its ground, if they can't get Grant going, if they can't, you know, give Tacey time to pass, I mean, you might have to rely. It might be an Iowa type game. You might have to rely on your other facets of the game. That's not your offense to help you win the game. So that's what I got. My initial thoughts on offense, or I guess just the game right now in general. So I'll pass it to Nate. Yeah, I think you summed it up really well. Illinois is going to be a really solid team that uh, I don't think we were necessarily prepared for uh, at the beginning of the season. Uh, I think a lot of people had written Illinois is more bottom tier of uh, the Big Ten. And so it's definitely surprising to see. Certainly, I mean, good for them for being able to show out this year. And I think they're only lost Indiana, right? Yes. And that was the Which first or second game strange, of the year. But, I know that might have yeah. been Illinois' first game of the year. So that was kind of a their second or second. Yeah. Okay, so Illinois that. opened with Wyoming. That's right. Gotcha. Yeah. So that so. that could be also just a chalk up to they're still early in the season trying to figure out where you are as a team type game and obviously they winning five in a row you know mm -hmm. they proved that they can do it <laughs> yeah but that means that there's at least a, a recipe for success to beat them out there mm -hmm. so hopefully the coaching staff was able to watch some film on that and maybe glean some ideas from that game but uh yeah it's definitely going to be a tough one i've heard or seen a few different places that uh I don't know if it's official necessarily yet, but there's at least some Heisman hype around the Chase Brown kid, which I mean, rightfully so leading the nation in rushing. 
looked like he's been a pretty solid. We, we historically have, I mean, we always go back to like, we historically have not done well against Wisconsin running backs. And I mean, once you go against Melvin Gordon and Jonathan Taylor and Braylon Allen, you know, you kind of get your, you kind of get your quote unquote, I mean, butt kicked a lot. So this, I, this is what I fear this game might teeter on is, you know, you might get gashed by, you know, the nation's best running back for 300 yards. Um, so might, might, <laughs> might, I hope, I hope we don't, but this is where I fear this, this kind of game might go is uh, you might get gashed in by another one of a staple running back type games where, you know, before it was always just Wisconsin. Cause we'd never do well against Wisconsin running backs. We still might not do well against Braylon Allen, but I fear this game might teeter kind of on that ledge as well. Yeah. And then there's obviously the do you sell out to stop the run and then let the transfer portal probably fifth or sixth year quarterback beat you. Mm-hmm. And it's it's going to be a, a tough call and be interesting to see kind of what which way we decide to go with that or if we try and play in balance and see if we can just hang with them. Mm-hmm. But uh, that might be our best option is trying to win a shootout, I guess, but <laughs> time will tell, I suppose there, but I'll go ahead and pass it over to Zach quick for any of his thoughts on the game. You guys did a pretty good job of summing everything up. So there's not a whole lot I want to touch on, uh, except for what I thought was going to be a nice little, uh, uh, you know, positive for us or an advantage, I guess, uh, was that we had a bye week, but then I went and looked and so did Illinois. So I guess that really probably doesn't make a difference, but it'll be nice uh, to come off that break. I think for the guys, mm-hmm. I, I do think we'll, we'll see a more rejuvenated team. Uh, and I, I do think that, you know, Illinois one is it's wild. They have the number one defense in the country. That's just something. And that's not, that's not a discredit. That is not a country. discredit to them. That is awesome like a big 10 team has a number one defense in the country that's not like your typical guys uh that's credit to them obviously um you know brett if you're looking for a job i think nebraska's hiring um <laughs> just you know wink wink um but beyond that you may uh, hate the guy but boy does he prove like he's proven to win <laughs> he he's uh I, I would warm up to him a heck of a lot faster mm-hmm. than someone like pj fleck let's be honest oh 100 but uh the other thing i i while we were uh, discussing uh, before we started the podcast tonight, I started looking just to see because we had uh, those first few games that really skewed the numbers for our defense. And so I was like, under Bill Bush specifically, you know, how many yards have we allowed mm-hmm. total? And so, I mean, I, I don't know if I, if the, I don't know if it's the same way they do it. I assume it's just an average, but um, Bill Bush and his defense have allowed 356 yards, you know, on average per game, um, you know, which isn't great, obviously, but better than the skewed stat of, of 471 that we have now. Um, granted Oklahoma and Georgia Southern definitely didn't help those, but, um, you know, unfortunately those go on the stat book. So I wanted to see like how Bill Bush specifically was doing and 356 is a heck of a lot better. I mean, that's a hundred extra, you know, hundred less yards comparatively to the whole year. Um, now it's probably not necessarily a good indicator of everything because it's only been three or four games, but, uh, it is nice to see one of the other, uh, cool stats that I saw is that the, that Illinois is getting on average 26 points per game. 
uh, and we're getting 29.7. So now what's really helping Illinois in that case is um, they're only allowing 8.9 per game. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) this is going to come down to one of those ugly Big Ten games again. Um, I didn't look up that stat, but I'm sure they're probably number one in points allowed a game. Uh, I mean, eight points. You would think, and eight or nine points a game is probably number one in the nation. I'm sure if I they're they're basically holding them to a touchdown and a field goal or three field goals. Like that's it. Like that's crazy. Um, Yeah. So I mean, I I personally think it's going to be an ugly Big Ten game. Uh, I I think the break will help, and I think we'll see much better Nebraska team than we have in the past, especially since Illinois has had our number. It seems like for the past couple of years, um, every team. Has so had number true, but I mean, it's it, like Illinois went from being uh, suddenly one of the teams that we were like, Oh, Nebraska should beat them to now. We're like, oh, okay, now we're up against the number one defense in the country. Uh, a top, a top half offense. Uh, it's going to be different. It'll be interesting to see how we scheme around that since our defense is, you know, a little. Deflated. Oh yeah. I, they're number one. Georgia's number two at 9.1 points per game. Yeah. Oh man. Michigan's, that's close. Michigan's third with 12, but yeah, Illinois is number one. <laughs> wow. So anyway, yeah. Long, giving up 62 points total. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Long, long way to a long, long way to say that I think, uh, you know, it's going to be a tough battle. Uh, I'm it, at minimum for me. What I want to see is just a good team fight. I, I don't expect Nebraska to come out and play like lights out and uh, have the upset of the century by any means. I would love to see it by all accounts. I don't expect it to happen, but should be interesting. Um, Give your prediction while hoping, you're there. Yeah. I was going to say with, I uh, hoping for a fun mm-hmm. game. So with that, I'm going to add my prediction I think uh, I don't think Nebraska covers this one, unfortunately, at seven and a half. Um, it's a tricky spread, too. Yeah, literally, we're fourteen to Purdue. I, I think I think Nebraska is going to have you know a good couple fire drives, but I don't think they're going to have enough to to overcome. And uh, I'm going to say thirty four seventeen Illinois. Uh, I'm off the Kool Aid for now. I'm off the Kool Aid for now. So thirty four seventeen is what I'm going with. God, Andy, that, I will give it to you. Good score. That's a really good score. I like that <laughs> score. Um, I agree. I'm long hard about it. I I agree uh, with you that you know there'll be a, we'll have a couple good drives. We'll probably have a couple of those nice Mark Whipple staple scripted drives that do really well, and then everything else after that is kind of what are we doing type drives. Um, yeah, I you know I. I do see ways for us to win this game. I truly do. Um, if you know, if, if we can get through their defense and we make a couple of big defensive plays, um, whether that is a defensive touchdown or turnovers that lead to points or like a special teams touchdown, you know, I do see a way for us to win this game. Um, but at the same time, I also look at you know we couldn't run the ball against Purdue and they were not as good of a defense as Illinois is. Um, I mean, if Nebraska cannot get the run game established, I don't see a way for us to get any sort of momentum on offense. Um, and like Mickey said, like screw it, Trey Palmer down there somewhere. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, that's what they'll do. If that works, like obviously keep running and keep working it. Um, 
But at the same time, I mean, Illinois, I mean, the rest of these teams going on from here on out are going to be like time of possession teams that are just going to run the ball down your throat until you force them to stop them. And we cannot do that. Um, But prediction wise, I will go. I don't think it'll be high scoring. I'm going to go. I like the 17 for us. So I'm going to go 28, 17, Illinois. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I think really the only way we stay in this game is if we somehow make it a shootout. I don't mm-hmm. think our defense is going to be able to stand up to Chase Brown too much. And if they do, I think Tommy DeVito is going to be more than capable of being able to throw the ball around to some open receivers. So, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, I'm going to have to go thinking 31-20. Okay. And I think we'll come around to make it look like a close game, but I don't think it'll be a particularly close game, unfortunately. So I would love to pull off the upset. And like I said, I, do feel, I feel Absolutely. there are ways for us to win this game, but mm. Illinois is beatable. That's for sure. If we just look at the reality of what we have seen from this team versus, you know, how good on defense Illinois is, it's one of those, like you come back off the Kool-Aid to reality and be like, Oh yeah, this is what, like I should have stuck with my gut of predicting Purdue to win in the first place, but then I chucked the Kool Aid at the end. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Always give in to peer pressure. Kids. And didn't it feel good when you did that? <laughs> uh, no, considering my score was actually kind of close to what the actual score was. <laughs> I was just talking before the game. We're not talking about after. Well, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> All right. Well, any last minute thoughts you guys want to throw in? Uh, Go Big Red as always, uh, despite how sad it makes me. But as always, scurs by 90, baby. Always scurs by 90. (laughs) (laughs) Nate, you got anything else? Uh, Not too much. Um, Hopefully by the Minnesota game next week, I'll have found a little more Kool-Aid. But. It's funny so, how funny how that well dries as the season goes on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there you go, Mickey. Give us some more Kool Aid to to chug down. We'll be we'll be good to go. But all right. Well, with that, I think we're going to wrap up our episode here. Wants to or want to once again thank everybody for listening. Thank you uh, for those that submit uh, questions and topics for us to talk about. And if you want to get in on that, uh, please check us out on Facebook or Twitter. Um, or YouTube or wherever, you know, you do your socials. We're on at least most of them. I don't know if we're on all of them. Uh, but please check us out at Nebraska Abilities Podcast or Nebraska Abilities Pod. Um, just look just look for that name. It'll be easier. It's uh, we're our name schemes are kind of odd on there because our name is so long. But anyway, um, please connect with us. We appreciate all the input that everybody's giving us. And uh, with that, I will leave it off with, as always, if it's a possibility, it's a Nebraska ability. <laughs>